I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, we're going to try to make sense of falling COVID-19 cases and how the response by public officials will affect all of us in our daily lives, at schools, and at workplaces. There's a lot to discuss. On Monday, California is set to give a major update on its mask mandate for schools. That comes as some districts are already defying the rules and just a few days after federal health officials revise their mask guidelines. I'm going to ask Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday what you need to know. Later on the program, we'll talk about an eerily quiet place called downtown San Francisco and how the mayor and others are trying to convince more workers to get off Zoom and venture back into the office. But first, Aaron Alday, how are you? I'm doing all right, Damien. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Aaron, it feels like we're entering a new part of the pandemic and, and have been for the last few days and weeks. Some public officials seem to be telling us that we're moving into a, a very different phase. So are we? For sure. I would say we definitely are. Um, I think Omicron, the surge really sort of shifted a lot of things. It spiked so high, it got so many people infected, but it also caused sort of less serious illness. And I think it was a real test to kind of what what COVID might look like um, in sort of this this next phase where you just see potentially, you know, a lot of infections, potentially, you know, a lot of disease out there, but it's not sort of upending our lives in the same way. Like we we now have all of these sort of tools in place between vaccination and, and treatments, and we know, you know, what to do with our hospitals, and we know, you know, what the appropriate response should be, and, and we put all that in play during Omicron, and we came out of it okay. Um, and I think that people are really looking at that as, as, you know, they think to the future and as they feel now more confident that, you know, we're moving to this new phase and we can kind of relax a little bit. All right, Aaron, you are our pandemic guide. You have been for a very long time. So let's talk about some of the very specifics. A lot of big news in the last few days. First of all, what did the federal government do? What did the CDC do? So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they updated their criteria for kind of how they assess the pandemic. So the metrics that they look at to decide kind of how risky um, things are in any given community. And then they also revise their mask re recommendations based on those new criteria. So we had this old system and under this old system, basically the entire country was considered to be in this red high risk. Everybody needs to wear a mask criteria. What they did recently is they decided that new metrics were needed given kind of what we talked about, how Omicron has changed things. We're looking at a different pandemic now. We're looking at a, a kind of a different virus. They revised things. And when they revised things, they actually put a good portion of the country, including almost all of the Bay Area, in a low risk category. Um, so we went from the entire country being red on a map to a large portion of it now being green or low risk. Um, and, and telling more than 70% of the country that they don't need to wear masks anymore. Um, and again, including almost all of the Bay Area now being told you don't need to wear masks anymore. And that's that's schools, that's stores, that's public transit. What does it include? It includes not public transit. We still do have a federal mandate in place that um, that requires masking on public transit, including airplanes. And that's in place until mid-March. Um, but other than that, everywhere else. And I mean, I should note that the CDC makes recommendations. So what the CDC says has never been a mandate. So the CDC has never, you know, said everybody in, in schools has to wear a mask. That's up to the states or the or the counties 
to do that. Um, the exception being the federal rule, which is not from the CDC, but is from the feds. Anyway, the point being that the CDC makes these guidance, these guidelines, and then the communities decide what to do. So even though the CDC says, you know, if as long as you have these low kind of transmission rates, which again, the vast majority of the, of the country does now, you don't need to mask up in, in almost all places now. One thing I always wonder, Aaron, is when the the government advises you that you do not need to wear a mask, what are we talking about? Are they saying that it's not helpful at all and that you shouldn't do it? Or are they saying that it's okay not to, if you want to be extra safe, go ahead? That's a, that's a tough thing for people to figure out. And the simple answer is that they, they're definitely not saying don't wear a mask. Um, you know, they're basically saying, you know, if you... You should kind of make your own your own assessment. If you're somebody who's um, immune compromised, who's maybe at very remains at very high risk of severe illness from COVID, or you're just you know you're still concerned, you're just risk averse, you you don't feel comfortable, then you should absolutely keep wearing your mask as as long as you want. Um, certainly in this sort of transition phase, a lot of people are going to prefer to keep their masks on, or maybe start making judgment calls on on places and situations where they feel comfortable. So what the CDC is doing in those communities is not so much saying, take your mask off, as saying, we're telling you that it's safe and that you can take it off. And now you go ahead and make that call for yourself of what, what feels right. Even with the mask mandate gone, though, Aaron, where I go, everyone or almost everyone is still wearing a mask. Should they be? Uh, what do you make of the fact that people have not chosen in a lot of the Bay Area to get rid of them? You know, I think we've all just been wearing masks for a really long time. I think for a lot of people, it's just a simple comfort level. You know, in the Bay Area, we still have every one of our counties still strongly recommends masks. Um, so even though only one county still requires them, Santa Clara County, every one of them, when they dropped their local mandate, said it is still strongly recommended. California said it's still strongly recommended. So, you know, they've been certainly pushing that out there that, you know, in a lot of cases, we, we still have a lot of virus out there. There still is a lot of that in circulation, more than, you know, at many other times throughout the pandemic, even in these kind of lulls between surges. Um, so I think it's it's reasonable for people to think, you know, is there is there any harm if when I go to the grocery store and putting a mask on for 10 minutes and potentially, you know, reduce my risk of getting infected by that much? Um, so I think that that's partly it, that we're just really accustomed to this and it just takes people some time to come around. And then partly that they're still being told that that's a really smart thing to do to keep wearing their mask. But mostly I just think that, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but back last year, June 15th, when they dropped the mandate, I feel like people came around to it pretty quickly, right? So like the first week or so, you saw a lot of people still wearing masks, but pretty quickly people started ditching them. And I think as soon as, you know, you somebody forgets and runs into the store without their mask and they're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, I didn't feel weird or naked or vulnerable, then they're going to kind of keep doing that. So I think, you know, it's just going to be a lot of testing the waters and, and, you know, people just developing new habits. Aaron, thanks again. Thanks, Damien. We're going to take a quick break on Fifth and Mission. When we come back, Chronicle reporter Chase DeFelici Antonio on the struggles of downtown San Francisco. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth and Mission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app.
Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined now by Chronicle reporter Chase DeFelici Antonio. Covers workplace and labor issues. It's a good time to be covering that. Chase, thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Chase, we wanted to have you on to talk about this pitch that San Francisco is making the mayor, business groups. Come on back downtown. It's too quiet here. We need you. What's going on? Well, this is interesting because it's almost like it's not a pitch. It's pretty much the mayor saying that we're doing this. We're working with the Chamber of Commerce and the companies and businesses that make up the board of the Chamber of Commerce, essentially, to bring folks back to downtown core, South of Market, Financial District, you name it. But it's less of a here's the reasons why we should do this and more of we are doing this. All right. But workers, it seems more and more might not be totally on board with that. I think so. I mean, for this story, I talked to some companies that are totally remote, that are planning to maybe have people come back a couple days a week. And what a lot of folks will tell you is that people are used to this. It's not so much an emergency work from home anymore as they've built their lives around this and the ability to take care of their kids and walk the dog and all of these things and rebuilding in the inconvenience of a commute, even if it's a couple days a week. A lot of workers who say, hey, I can do this from home, they don't want that. And I think there's a strong possibility that you will see some pushback against this from workers and, and companies maybe against the city as well. Let's get into to why the city and, and obviously business groups want people back. What's the motivation? As always, the motivation uh, is money. Not only money, but that's certainly part of it. I mean, you look at a lot of small businesses downtown. I think that's where a lot of this really starts. Uh, the ones that haven't shuttered entirely or temporarily, uh, they are hurting. I spent some time downtown reporting on this story, talking to small businesses in the afternoon. Usually there'd be people buying supplies, maybe sitting in the bar, uh, maybe grabbing some frozen yogurt. And a lot of those business owners and bartenders and what have you uh, didn't have a whole lot to do. So helping out those smaller businesses and the chain ones too is really important to revitalizing the area and keeping the character of the area alive. But also a lot of this has to do with the city's tax revenue, specifically its business tax revenue. Uh, that has to do with how the city taxes uh, used to be payrolls. Now they're moving towards a gross receipts tax, but that really is still in a lot of ways a payroll tax. It, a lot of it depends on where someone is physically working. So if someone is no longer physically commuting into San Francisco or they've moved away, they still have their San Francisco job, but maybe they live a few hours outside the city, uh, the city is going to see less of that tax revenue. Uh, it's a significant portion of the budget. And I think the city is aware of that. And long term, it's going to make a difference. Uh, and if that revenue continues to trend down, it becomes a real problem. And I think that's also a factor uh, stealth in uh, how this decision is being made. So do we have an exact measurement? Do we know how many fewer people are coming in now than did before the pandemic? So there's a number of ways to look at this. But I think one of the really excellent ways to look at how many people are really coming into the city uh, is BART ridership. Uh, there's one uh, graph that the city has that's uh, sourced to BART. It's exits at Embarcadero, Montgomery, Pal, and Civic Center stations where a lot of office workers would, would swipe off there. Um, this is compared to a previous weekly average ridership um, as a percentage of the same month in 2019. So in April of, uh, of 2020, it, that was only 5% of what you would average see uh, in the same month in 2019. Uh, that has increased uh, with, with uh, some divots and spikes over time. But in December of 2021, you're still only a little bit above 20% of what things were in December of 2019. So that's still a fifth of people swiping off at some of those main stations. And that has significant consequences for businesses downtown, but also BART and by extension, Muni as a service that's able to provide people reliable service. 
it's an incredible number, 20%. I mean, why aren't there sort of empty office towers if, if 20% of the people are coming in? Because I know office vacancies are, you know, up, but not to that degree. That's also a good question. I think a lot of this has to do with companies looking at their long-term strategy and determining how much they really need office space. It's less that companies are saying the office is over, we'll never go back. And they're, it's more they're kind of hedging their bets. They realize that they need space to maybe have meetings a few days a week for teams or when they have people visiting from out of town to have a place to get together, uh, happy hours, culture functions, things like that. Uh, but those occupancy rates are, are still down because you just probably aren't going to need uh, all of your people to be there five days a week, at least in the near future. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're trending towards this, this hybrid model. So companies aren't entirely shedding that office space, but they are hedging their bets, so to speak, when they uh, plunk down big chunks of change on really expensive San Francisco downtown real estate. Chase, I know the pandemic is the hardest thing in the world to predict, but I mean, what are people saying when they look out months and even years ahead? Are things going to come back to normal in downtown San Francisco? I think, again, it's one of those questions that really does depend who you ask. I think if you ask the mayor and the Chamber of Commerce, they would probably tell you, absolutely, we're going to come roaring back and it's going to happen real soon. But I think if you talk to companies, there's a bit more of a state approach to that. I think a lot of companies are realizing that it's maybe a two to three days a week kind of situation that's going to become increasingly likely. That also has to do with recruiting and attracting people. It's not just this question of having a nice office. It's giving people the flexibility they've come to expect. So long term, who knows? Many years from now, maybe we'll be back five days a week. But a lot of companies that you talk to, it's only a few days a week. I think that's also pretty industry dependent in some cases. Um, some of the companies who are on board with what the chamber and what the mayor is trying to do are uh, law firms, they are financial services companies, banks, what have you. Those more traditional kinds of uh, companies, they do tend to uh, have more people in the office and require that more quickly than other industries. But I think uh, across the broader spectrum, you're going to see uh, a lot more hybrid and work from home in the near future. All right, Chase. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. I do miss you, by the way. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's a symptom of this. I miss you too, Damien. Hopefully we can do this in the newsroom real soon. Thank you. I was hoping you'd say that. All right. That's Chase DeFelice Antonio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to my guests today, Chronicle reporters Aaron Alday and Chase DeFelice Antonio. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs> 